Oh, hey. As you know, this is measure of an episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good Star Trek episode and not just good TV. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. The episode this week is called Day of the Dub, TOS 307. And it's our first original series episode. Here's the blurb. An entity traps the Enterprise crew and the crew of a disabled Klingon battlecruiser in an unending unending war aboard the Enterprise. So it's so hard to say. I right. Okay. Yeah. So when we when we read that last time, um, I took that to be like a time loop as unending. Um, and the episode did not turn out to be that way. Uh, just a quick kind of synopsis. Um, the the Klingons and the Federation are fighting aboard the Enterprise. Um, and there's a, an alien life form that's allowing them to be healed quickly. Um, and so the, and, um, spiking their hostility towards each other. So the goal is to keep them fighting over and over and over without anyone actually dying. I never remember, uh, just to start at the beginning of the, of the show, they've replaced all of the, all of the effects from the original sixties effects with new updated news. So I'm, so it's, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, like I, I never, (laughs) these are sixties effects. Wow. They're actually quite quite fun because they're not they're not cinematic but right. they're just good enough they're just better enough than the show <laughs> to, to make it so it's not jill although i wish they had the original ones i kind of want to see the original ones yes i think uh, i think the alien was the original it would have to have been yeah i think yeah. so one thing that i thought was really interesting in the opening scene was um it was spa- no it was bones Chekhov, and kirk and another guy in a red shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he survived. Like, I, that's true. I did not expect that at all. I was like, wow, three stars and an extra. I wonder who's going to die. <laughs> right. That's a good point. I actually saw him and it registered as, oh, he's going to die at some point, especially because there are Klingons involved. Right. And he doesn't die. <laughs> well, and then he's like, I'm going to torture until they die one by one. I was like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the the beginning of the episode starts off with a beam down. I don't think we even see the ship. Right, right. right. And then uh, there's supposedly an, a human colony that has been wiped out entirely uh, that there is no evidence of. Right, there's yeah, no trace sand. whatsoever. Yep. Yeah, and it gives Billy Shatner a chance to do some acting, which is nice. Which is always, yep, always yeah. pleasant. Uh, then the alien blur shows up, and it's unclear if they can see it or if they can't see it, it's actually unclear throughout the entire episode if it's visible because right. there are times where it's right in front of them and they obviously can't see it. Right. So yeah. Then the Klingons show up and he just walks through security and, and, and oh, like backhands uh, <laughs> Kirk. Kirk. Yep. And Billy just kind of like lays there and doesn't say anything. Like, what are you doing? First of all, Spock do something. Well, Spock's not there. Oh, that's right. No, not Spock. <laughs> Uh, McCoy Chekhov. Yeah. Or Chekhov. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and he just lays there is like, you killed everybody. And it's like, and he, like you, he would have said it's so weird because obviously they're waiting for the act break, <laughs> but it, it, it felt just, I, I always, when people do stuff and whether it's in TV or movies or whatever that are totally antithetical to how a regular person would react, I'm totally fine with the suspension of disbelief. Okay. In movies. I get it. 
But when somebody gets slapped in the face and they don't react, they just lay there waiting for something to happen. Nobody would do that, especially when they didn't do anything. Right. I hate it. It's like It's like a pet peeve of mine that happens because it's narratively convenient for him to lay there rather than react like a normal person would. Well, right. It's it's because they need that moment of reaction um, before the, the break, like you just said. And right. Because otherwise, like, you're right. He's going to get right up and be like, you know, what the hell was that for? Or or shoot him with a phaser. Right. right? At this point, yeah. their phasers still work. I don't know. It it, it was it's, it just I, I knew they needed to get in and get out to get it, carry on with the plot, which was weird because the plot totally starts to stretch thin in the middle of the episode. It just starts to kind of like, what are we doing here? But anyway, OK, they make it back up to the ship. Kirk pulls some shenanigans and they they are able to escape the Klingons very quickly. And then they take, yep. Yeah, and they take the. I actually thought they were going to beam them directly into the brig. I did too. Yeah, um, but they didn't. So they they put them into the the cafeteria. What happens then? Chekhov start. I think starts to go crazy. Right. He's well, they're like, "What's going on?" Yeah. So he. Um, so I mean, he had his little meltdown on the surface by saying they killed his brother. <laughs> wait a second. So, so wait a second. So when they start to torture Chekhov, it looked like they were just going to tickle him to death. <laughs> like because they put that thing on his cheek and like what i i don't know it's like it, it was very uncreative in terms of of torturing somebody right yes it, it, obviously you need to torture them before they die right um and it just i don't know i was i was unimpressed right i mean the the cheek like they could have put it on his chest they could have put it on his head like like his forehead his brain area cranium to be fair though have you ever have you ever had like a cracked tooth that's one no. of the worst pains in the entire world oh well, maybe that's what it did. Maybe right. it cracked one of Just his teeth. Just felt like all of his teeth were cracked at once. And that's why he's screaming. <laughs> that actually would be in, in agony. T- pretty terrible if it, you had like some sort of mouthpiece that you put in somebody that just cracked all of your teeth all at once. Oh, yeah, it would be. Or you heat, you cool the mouth, cool the teeth down, and then you make them drink hot water. <laughs> See all these things that they could have done. That they could have done. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's like that's why it was on its cheek. It was just simulating those things. Yeah, instead of they they had the tickle device. Yeah, well, it would have been amazing if Kang was like, we are giving him the sensation of 36 cracked teeth all at the same time. <laughs> By the way, so Kirk says something when he says, call up to your, call up to the Enterprise or we're going to torture everybody. And Kirk says, go to the devil. Go to the devil, yep. <laughs> I, I've never heard that before here. And I actually thought he was, he was, I thought he said something different. But is that a 60s thing? I I don't know the the way I took it was because there's no profanity on TV. It was the closest thing he could say to go to hell. I've never heard it before um, in anything or read it anywhere. So I would I would think that it was just the writers trying to get around him saying bite me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I, I don't know. I've never that must be a colloquialism from the mid century. So uh, Chekhov kind of freaks out. They have a confrontation with the Klingons and their phasers all turn to swords and everybody gets a sword and they start sword fighting. And it's kind of funny because the, these sort of hardened sort of medieval like Klingons always struck me as being kind of medieval in, in terms of their brutality. Yes. You know, but it's all they physical, are, right? But yeah, but they're all they're all excellent fencers, <laughs> like proper fencers. <laughs> Because they're like these bulky, kind of gruff men, and they start doing those parries, you know, with, right. with the other guys. <laughs> I, I guess that must have been a thing on TV that when people saw sword fighting, they wanted to see fencing. Because that happens in other TV shows. Zorro comes to mind. 
where that was the that was how they I mean it was proper fencing even though it was kind of the old west in a way. TV TV's at this point what like 20 30 years old I think if yeah if that well, maybe a little maybe a little older but yeah not by, not by much. Right. So I mean there's they're still kind of figuring things out and um there I feel like there wasn't really the idea of putting things into its appropriate time frame until I want to say late 80s early 90s where there's you know when they when they do when they do any kind of physical combat it's stuff that people would recognize and understand rather than trying to make it time appropriate right and there were a couple there were at least three action scenes in this episode yeah like full on action scenes where there were there was they were fight not like a next gen action scene where they're walking from one bulkhead to the other right <laughs> yeah shooting phasers um, and dodging yeah <laughs> uh by the way so the klingons obviously look much different from the next gen klingons yes. and from the movie klingons and everybody um, was brown faced yeah well it was it was funny because they all just looked like dirty federation people uh-huh like especially the women the women were all dressed the same hairdos same right. outfits just darker like dirty kind of greasy skin yeah and by the way misogyny is in full force uh and i guess at this point especially in this episode right oh man there were uh so many scenes where kirk is like we've got to stop the fighting we've got to stop the fighting and then he grabs her by the arm and like drags her wherever he's going <laughs> like even even spock does that They're, right all, she's always she her arm is always being grabbed by somebody on screen being literally manhandled yeah there was no trying to talk to her like there was no please or there was no like oh my gosh so we're gonna get to that scene later but the scene with like the alien and her saying it's a trick the the b plot we just kind of glossed over but um i didn't think there was one until Chekhov came like had his like huge outburst on the bridge and he's like i'm going to and that's that's when i kind of realized that the b plot was actually Chekhov's brother I, that, the problem is it totally disappears. Right. Um, <laughs> I, they handle it by saying, by Sue says he never had a brother. He's, he's an only child. And they're right. like, oh, interesting. And, and then <laughs> by the way, it wouldn't be a Star Trek episode if there wasn't a little bit of rape, but so <laughs> Chekhov wants to like have his way with the, the lady Klingon, uh, Kirk, I guess he knocks him out and Beats he's out senseless. for the rest of the yeah. episode. Yeah. Yep. I guess that happens. And then we never hear from like, they never go back to that, I guess. And they never think about, they never try and, and reason why this is happening. And they never talk about why it was him that was being implanted memories and it, having implanted like stuff to, to, I guess, incite some warfare. But it just totally disappears. And it makes me think that that's not, I, I to me, that's not the B plot. To me, the B plot is the racism in a way. The A plot is, okay, there's this alien, he's affecting everybody. In, the, in a bad way and we're just going to all kill each other for eternity unless we do something. That's the A plot. B plot is the thinly veiled commentary on racism. Oh, see, I, okay. So I took, I took the, the A plot as being the alien was causing the hostility and the racism, which was causing the tension. And then the B plot was like them actually showing that it was also messing with their minds with Chekhov. Now I will grant you that the B plot never resolved. Yeah. It also was, it's too poorly defined. Right. I think this might be a single plot episode re in in reality. Okay. And granted, I haven't seen very many of the original series, so I can't really speak to whether or not that's normal. Right. And I don't, yeah, I don't remember. It was the first one that I watched when I binged everything 15 years ago. So I don't know for sure. So when the, 
when the alien turns everything into a sword on the ship. Yep. It's funny because they walk around with them and they never let go of them. Yes. So they're sitting there on the bridge doing their job, but they haven't they haven't dropped their sword or put it aside. They're all holding a sword. Yeah. I actually thought of that at near the end when um when Kirk was going to see Kang. I was like, "Why don't you put the sword down?" And then he walked back and did. And I was like, "Good job." Yeah, there were there were a couple things in this um just to talk about like the the cheesy 60s effects and get that out of the way. And continuity errors, which I know is not the point of this show, but for for the original series, they were very glaring. They went into the elevator, and to go from floor to floor, you have to grab the handle. It's something that they pointed out several times, and he didn't when they were like crouching down on the ground. And oh, there was okay. there was a scene where McCoy uh, <laughs> McCoy says like, "You don't hit a man when you're down, and you don't hack him to pieces." And the guy that they carried in, and I was like, "Well, he was standing when he was stabbed, and when he fell, they left him alone." So. I'm not really sure what you're complaining about. <laughs> yeah, I think they they were reporting more of the, I, I guess, the brutality to us than we were actually seeing. Right. Because, I mean, there's no blood in this show. Oh, yeah. As far as I can tell. Yeah. No, but there were lots of wobbly swords. <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly someone was shooting some sort of um, either Roman <laughs> or something like that they just like, had all these have props. access to all these props right. so how can we use them That's so funny. going back to the effects so the computer voice <clears throat> i didn't realize that there was a computer voice on this on the original series oh okay it's so it's grating. so funny okay well it's it's grating and it's it's the it's what we would consider the stereotypical cliche computer voice like right. to talk like this yeah, they, yeah. Know, like i am it's, a robot right i mean it's so weird because you know you see uh, Billy Shatner acting and you it's funny because everybody has made fun of him ad nauseum right yes, about right. his weird cadence you always I always believe that they were totally exaggerating for the sake of comedy right they're not exaggerating. no no <laughs> I mean it, it, I mean they're almost doing a really good a perfect impression because he does he does that almost every episode at yes. least the ones that I've seen yeah I mean he he very much struggles for the words um as like as his acting he's trying like his his acting method is, I need to genuinely look like I'm struggling to find the right word to say. Is it that he's just actually struggling to find the right word to say <laughs> because, he, because he didn't memorize his lines? Right. If, yeah. Just every every other actor has the script on their pay, on their chest, so he keeps looking at them just to read it. <laughs> hey, there are guys that do that. There are guys that when they act, they require that they have a teleprompter. Oh, I know that they won't. Yeah, they won't memorize lines at all. Which to me is such a, like, that's most of the job. Right, that's your job, right. That's what we paid you to do, yeah. Um, okay, so there's a point where Kirk has a, the revelation that this alien is making them fight, right? Yes. And this happens probably about right after halfway through the, right. the episode starts. You're talking about on the bridge, right? When he figures it out? On the bridge, yeah. yeah. Okay. And was this something that we were supposed to be discovering with him? Because I got there way faster than he did. Yeah, I, I got there pretty early. Um, and I feel like this is going to be one of the things that we have to concede with the original series in general um, is kind of the same thing that I was just saying. Like, it's it's the first time these things have been um, shown to viewing audiences. And so there's a little bit more of them just experiencing it for the first time rather than trying to solve it themselves. And an example that I, I read not too long ago was somebody talking about I Love Lucy. You know, and they were like, that show's not funny because I've seen every single gag. And they were explaining like, yes, but you have to understand this was the first time this gag was ever shown. 
Um, and so I, you know, I feel, I feel kind of like for the original series, I mean, the same thing with the plot, like you talking about how it was like paper thin in the middle. Um, yes, but I feel like the shows in the sixties were about expanding a very simple plot over 45, 50 minutes. You know, I think city on the edge of the edge of forever, when we get to it, the conflict is set up in like the first five, six minutes and it's resolved in the last six minutes. And the rest of it is just being there with them and not necessarily watching them try to figure it out. Yeah. I think the problem with this one for me was that it seemed like they were leading up to that moment where Kirk um, has his revelation about what's going on, but I was all had already been there for most of the episode, I guess. And so I, and so I was like, Oh, that's what we were waiting for, for this. And now, so so now the, the, the story can continue. (laughs) Uh, and, and it's funny because obviously this is a writing thing and this is a this is a time period thing, but there were several moments um, where they would tag the end of a scene by summing up what had just happened for yes. the audience. Yes. right. They would hit the nail on the head after, after as the scene was ending. And I don't know is that bad writing or is that just the way that they did TV back then? I've only recently seen things like The Adams Family. There is a conflict set up at the very beginning. And then the rest of the episode is about resolving that conflict. And, you know, there's no there's no escalated conflict on top of it. There's I'd be surprised if there are B plots in the original series, because now talking about it, I don't think there are any. Um, Oh, I mean, I think I think that there are because of the conflict, you know, kind of like what happened with this, like Chekhov thinking that he had a brother, the, the heightened racism, like. Those were just added elements to the conflict. There wasn't a B plot that was almost completely separate from it. And because the conflict set up in the beginning, the rest of it is just about dealing with the characters, dealing with that conflict. Uh, so I do think I do think that the 60s, the, the original series and 60s TV shows in general um, were a lot slower for that reason. They only had one conflict to solve in half an hour to an hour. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that it was slow. It was that there just wasn't anything happening. They kept on kind of having the same discussions, but in different places on the ship. Kind of like Columbo, like that was kind of a slow show, but stuff was happening scene to scene. And this, it's not just slow. It was that it was there. There was not. There was no plot to be exposed. Well, yeah. So the so the the, the Klingon woman, Mara, the wife of Kang, when she becomes kind of integral to the plot, where they keep dragging her around the ship, and I guess they're trying to convince her that this isn't a trick, that this is you know we are under attack by this alien. But no matter where they are on the ship, they keep cutting to the same close-up of her, of her just sort of looking at somebody. First of all, narratively, I don't know why they kept doing that. Right. Because it, it, she still didn't believe them up until the last moment. Right. So I, I wonder, was this – I think she was kind of a, a famous person in the, in the late 60s. I don't know. I kind of just quickly Googled her. And she came up right away. So I, <laughs> with that, must equal famous. At certain points, it was jarring because they just kept cutting to her. And I wonder, is this because she required to be on screen for a certain amount of time and they had to make some sort of quota? Because I can't think of any other reason why they would have why, why she was on screen so much. I mean, there are points where she was barely in the scene to begin with, like in frame. But then they would just cut to her in a different place looking at somebody. And then cut back so the scene can continue. Right. And I hadn't even considered that she might have been famous. I found it jarring that they kept like cutting to her. But because they were doing that, I actually thought that just like how Chekhov um, had a memory of his brother being killed, 
I thought that she was a physical manifestation created by the alien trying to keep the tensions high. Like when she jumped on the intercom to say it was a trick. Um, mm-hmm. I, that, that's when I was like, she, you know, um, she, she will disappear when the alien goes away. That's what I thought would happen. You're saying that, that the alien also implanted the fact that she was his wife. Yeah. That would have, that would have given it some depth for sure. So I don't, I, I found this, I don't, I don't know if this is, was exactly what you were talking about, but Spock goes through like all of his jargon about the alien and Kirk goes, so it feeds on the hate of others. And Spock was like, well, yes, that's a very simple way of putting it. That, that caught my attention. And, um, I, I don't think they did it as much in the original series, but I feel like that was the closest we were going to get to your, um, your, you know, your Picard comparison of like a decompression tank. The lots of techno babble, then another character sums it up in a layman's term. Right. I haven't seen if I have seen this, it did not stick in my head enough, but I loved that the captain was like completely helpless and had no idea what instruction to give Scotty. So he just kind of (laughs) like that too. He kind of shrugs and he's like, do what you can Kirk out. Do what you can. (sighs) Like he, like he was kind of bored with the episode too. Right. Right after that moment, they come up with the idea to sight to sight beam, which they must've just invented that. And that, and that's, I've always wondered that, like, when did that start happening this episode? So anyway, they sight to sight beam into whatever the Klingon stronghold is in engineering. And they make it a big deal. Like, oh, we can't get in there. We have to sight to sight beam and I'll take Mara with me and we'll, we'll make a stand that it's the only expression of science fiction that is inherent to the plot. In this episode? Yes. There's something else that... Well, I would... So the alien is the catalyst for the conflict, which wouldn't have happened without the alien. And the alien um, was transmutating all the matter to be swords, which I I would say is also sci-fi. It was more fantasy to me. This could have been more of a kind of Lord of the Rings magical thing happening. And it was magical. They never explained it. They never gave us that scene where they say... Well, the humans emanate a certain type of pheromone when they get angry, and it, that might be feeding off. They don't say that. They're just like, oh, it's feeding off of our bad energy. Well, okay, to to be fair, did Spock say that? Like, I kind of tuned out on his diatribe about, <laughs> like, feeding off the hate. So I don't think so. I think he, okay. he summed up what was happening. Right. He never gave an explanation of, as to how. Right. And I feel like that that is important in a sci-fi setting. Sure. We have to get the how. Yeah, it's it, right. It's feeding off of the emotions, but you're not necessarily, you know, like how specifically how it's happening. And that, the next that gen, get. they would have given us how. Sure. OK. Um, so, yeah. So I, to me, that's what kind of made it just a regular television episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it's kind of got to be its own thing because it was in the 60s where the writing was kind of novel. It was a quaint episode, but I don't think it was a good Star Trek episode. With the exception that they did invent sight to sight beaming in this episode. In which the was season, which was integral to the plot. I guess was that enough, right? To to make it a Star Trek episode. I don't know, or a good Star Trek episode. I don't know. I'm gonna say no because most of the episode was either manhandling this woman, <laughs> or them summing up the plot, or summing up the you know the the inciting incident that we already knew happened. Right to anybody who walked by. See, and I, I feel like there's another episode previously where there was one thing that made it sci-fi and you were willing to give it a pass and make it a, a Star Trek episode. It was the season three opener of DS9 
where they're cloaked in the defiant and they have to use technology in order to right. escape the detection of the Jem'Hadar. There you go. Yeah. And I, did I come down on whether or not that made it a Star Trek episode or just that that was a Star Trek or a science fiction moment that I found very entertaining? I would say if there's anything that is inherently Star Trek that is integral to the plot, that's got to make it a Star Trek episode. If it if it could not happen anywhere else, then it makes it a Star Trek episode. And the fact that they transported yeah. site to site, that's inherently Star Trek. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Maybe this is a good Star Trek episode. Yeah. Just because of that moment. <laughs> right? <laughs> good job. Good job, writers. Should we deem it good just because of that scene or that element? It definitely has a non-sci-fi resolution. Um, it had a... I would say sci-fi conflict, you would call it fantasy. Regardless, it's not a non-sci-fi conflict. If it's a fantasy conflict, which is what you're saying, I mean, it basically is, it's a wizard who's changing their minds. Does that still, would that still count as a sci-fi conflict? Or it it has to be specifically a sci-fi conflict or sci-fi resolution um, for it to be counted based on our criteria? I was wondering, why is the alien making the ship go outside of the galaxy? And they never discuss that. They, right? they realize that it's happening, but that is very science fiction to me. They actually do that a couple of times in Next Gen, um, where it's the, something is taking the ship away from them and, and far away. Okay. Right? And they never talk about why that's happening. I guess to bring it away from help. Maybe that's why. You know, you're, you're less likely to run into to help if it's going outside of the galaxy. Right. Well, especially they never say that no, no ship can move at warp nine. So even if the point was just to um, get it away from help, it didn't, it didn't have to leave the galaxy. It could just fly at warp nine and no one would be able to catch it. So it might not even have been like taking them to a destination. It was just, it just needed the speed. Right. Which they never say we're just now trying to extrapolate what was happening. They also never go back to, I mean, I'm assuming that what happened to this colony was the alien made them all fight each other, but they should still be there because the alien regenerates them. What I took from that was there was never a colony because the Klingons got a distress call from the same planet. I guess that makes sense, but wouldn't they know? If wouldn't they know what planets? Right. Yeah. So we, we don't know why the alien was taking them away from the planet and we don't know if there was a colony there to begin with. I guess we have to call it a good episode, even though they leave so much hanging. I feel like that was the other thing too for the the 60 series. Like these these underlying questions were not the focus point. So it didn't matter whether or not they were resolved. It'd have been nice though. Absolutely. But I think they they definitely just went for the main conflict and tried to resolve it. And yes. everything else was ancillary. They were so heavy handed with the racism thing that I think they were trying to get their point across with that and were less, they seemed less concerned with doing a lot of sci-fi exposition. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, so the, the thing that it didn't necessarily have, cause you and I debated it was the, um, the B plot. I mean, right. if, if we go with the checkoff, that is character progression, like for him to, to have that moment of loss and then realize that the whole thing was a lie. Obviously we didn't get to see it or wit or experience it, but he um, doesn't realize it's a lie. He realizes that he got smacked in the face a couple times by Kirk and then there, and there is never heard from again in the rest of the episode. Right. And it's false. But what I'm saying is like, we didn't see it in the episode, but at some point he must've been told and learned that the frustration and anger that he had towards the Klingons about his loss of his brother was false. It was implanted memories. Yeah, I, I'm not willing to go that far. 
we're giving it we're giving it a lot of leeway in terms of what we can extrapolate and versus what actually happens in the episode. Because what actually happens in the episode is he goes into a fugue state of revenge <laughs> and then tries to rape a woman and then gets punched in the face. And then that's the last time we hear about it. Like, right. I mean, he should be like, maybe he wakes up and doesn't remember anything. Yeah, no, that's and true. That's a fair point. So, so I don't know. I'm not willing to give it that. Okay. I think the B, I think that to me, I think the B plot is the racism. Okay. Subtone. So it's subplot. I saw it going here and it never went there where the alien was amplifying how everybody felt about and like some sort of nugget of truth inside of the people was being brought out by the alien. Right. The hostility and, towards other races. Yeah. Right. And I thought that it wasn't just implanting it willy nilly that it was it was amplifying something that never gets discussed. Right. So I don't know if that was actually that would have been interesting to know. Does Spock actually feel that way about humans? Like, does he actually get annoyed or I mean, I, I don't know. I it felt it felt very underwritten. To be right. honest, and and maybe that maybe we can't really give it a pat any more passes because it's, I mean, criteria aside, it just it's it's an incomplete episode. I mean, yes, right. they do have that one moment of 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 science fiction, but that's it. Yeah. So then we're we're retracting our this was a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a good episode. I mean, I will never watch this episode again. I feel like this analyzing has made me. If I did have repeat viewings of this episode, I would just get more and more frustrated. So, so it does not get a pass. It does not get a pass. There, we're we're having to give it too many leniencies. That's another one off the list. Yep. <laughs> so far, we're what one for five? The, no, one for oh, yeah, one for five. Right. Yeah, one for five, and yeah, you know, and even that was it was just an okay episode. Okay, before we go any further, I'd like to ask you guys a big favor. It helps us a lot if you could go and leave a review for the podcast, wherever you guys get your podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, it really helps us promote the show. If you want to support the show even more, we've got a Patreon page to help pay the bills. Uh, we've got some outtakes, some further discussions on topics that had to be cut, that kind of stuff. So go check it out. Uh, link is in the show notes. All right, let's see what we're watching next. Okay. ENT 214, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, Stigma, original air date, February 5th, 2003. <laughs> oh, the thumbnail is so, is so, uh, is so funny. It's clearly just auto-generated. Okay. Uh, Stigma, the Enterprise makes its way to a planet hosting the Interspecies Medical Exchanges Convention. Riveting. That, that's, that's the blurb? That's the whole thing. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is less likely we will watch original series episodes and Enterprise episodes because there are just fewer of them. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. How many episodes did Voyager have or how many seasons did Voyager have? Do you remember? I feel like it was seven. Seven. Okay. Seven. Enter, uh, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and, and Next and, Gen yeah. all have seven. Okay. Cool. All, all right. right. Well, let's go watch it. Okay. Ta. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.